Welcome to After Hours with Dr. Sigalov, where he can share ideas and thoughts with you. He gets to the heart of the issue so that you can find the truth. The views and opinions expressed are his and do not represent the U.S. Army, DOD, nor the U.S. government. Dr. Sigalov was either off-duty or on approved leave, and Dr. Sigalov was not in uniform at the time of recording. Now, to Dr. Sigalov. All right, today I have a distinct pleasure to introduce to you Mark Bashaw. First Lieutenant Mark Bashaw is a hero in, in this fight against these unlawful orders. If you haven't heard about him, um, he's actually been court-martialed. He's the first Army officer that we know of that's been court-martialed for not following these unlawful orders. Now, Mark, can you just give us, a, the listeners and the viewers, a quick rundown of what's going on? Yeah, so uh, thanks for having me, Sam. I really appreciate it, and I appreciate what you're doing uh, to get the word out. And um, it's been really good to watch and hear what you have to say uh, week after week, so I appreciate you having me on. Um, I'm First Lieutenant Mark Bashaw, and uh, first and foremost, I want to say uh, glory to God, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And um, I just want to give a little bit of background. I've been in the military 16 years active duty the entire time came in in 2006 into the air force enlisted then um, immediately served overseas for the next 10 years or close to 11 years and then came back to the states 2016 where i served at barksdale air force base and then transferred over to a direct commission into the medical service corps of the army to be a 67 charlie what's uh that's what we call a um preventive science officer and my specialties entomologist and after after training i got stationed at army public health center where i spent time as the company commander and then in the entomological section of um, of entomology and so that's a bit of a, my my background so working in public health you work around um, a lot of the issues that we've been dealing with with COVID, is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so primarily my, my mission is to support the, the Army Public Health Program, which is our service members, and to uh, communicate or devise risk communication strategies, whether it's from vector-borne disease or infectious disease or environmental threats, biological threats, chemical threats, and communicate that out. So our service members can take proper actions to protect themselves or frontline doctors uh, can also use that information as some sort of recommendation to kind of tailor their their processes. And how did you and I first meet? I like that story. So um, it's funny as I, uh, I want to say it was back in Back in early December, I saw you on the Stu Peter show, and uh, and I I was like, wow, there's there's a medical officer in the army, and he's speaking out and he's speaking the truth, and I just I immediately had to had to reach out, um, and and thank you for what you're doing because at that point in time, I knew uh, at that point in time I did know uh, Lieutenant Colonel Long. And her affidavit, and what she was doing, and then quickly after, I saw I saw your interview pop up, and then quickly after that, I saw uh, Lieutenant Colonel Doc Chambers, his affidavit, and I was just, I was just absolutely floored and excited that 
uh, finally I saw some military medical officers that were taking a stand and speaking about this stuff. Um, up to that point, I was, I was looking around and I was like, why isn't anybody speaking about this stuff that was, it was in our face, like the data and the information we're seeing, it was just so blatant. And I was just up to that point, super confused, like, where is everyone? And I remember getting an email from you. It was just kind of a cold email out of the blue. Um, and it kind of kind of put me on my heels just a bit. And I was like, who is this guy? And then I think we talked on the phone. And I was like, man, this guy's legit. He is, he is the man that we need, especially where he works, his job and faith and just, just all of that. And, and one thing that just really, really struck me with what you had done is you did this video because and and I can edit this out if you don't want me to to end up putting this out. But you did a video. No, right? Yeah. You yeah. typically do videos. You said for your kids so that they can remember. It's like a video diary, and mm. and you sent me one of those. You you were kind enough to share that that intimate moment, and and I suggested you know very very cautiously suggested that consider releasing this to the public because it is just such a poignant video, and and I'll see if I can get it to play right here for us. December 1st, 2021. You know what you can do when uh, your security access to where your place of work is has been revoked? You know what you can do when you've been deemed a pure blood threat? You know what you can do when your security clearance has been suspended? You know what you can do when Your records have been flagged. You know what you can do when you can't even access the installation to where you perform your duties as a law-abiding officer in the United States Army? I'll tell you what you can do. You can go for a beautiful walk and enjoy the beautiful vitamin D enjoy that beautiful sky I don't see any of those oh there's a few over there but for the most part beautiful sky let's go with it and uh, fresh air so God bless much love enjoy your day right yeah Tell so us a little bit about it yeah so ever since um, March 2020 um, yeah March 16 2020 I um, I started making personal uh, vlogs or these videos for my grandchildren of my perception of the what I was seeing around me in this point in time Which, in history. Just for a second, those grandchildren are not alive yet, correct? Right, not yet. I, okay. uh, I was like, you look very young. You know, God willing, I'll have yes, uh, yes. some grandchildren in the future. I have yes, three yes. of my uh, my own children right now, but. Um, I was just making those children if for uh, or, or making those videos for a historical uh, perspective of what I was seeing around me, uh, what I was doing, just a perspective. And I thought it was important. And so, yeah, that video, I made that video on December 1st, the one you're referencing on De December 1st, 2021. And it was after I got uh, completely banned 
from my place of duty. Uh, my security clearance was suspended. My security access to Army, all Army public health facilities was revoked. My uh, record was flagged, all because on the 26th of November, 2021, I initiated Article 138, which for anybody who doesn't know, an Article 138 UCMJ is a service member's ability to bring up concerns and complaints to their first commander in their chain of command. And so I was doing that. I was initiating that process on 26 November about these discriminatory, um, unlawful, emergency use authorized, uh, experimental emergency use authorized products being forced upon service members. And at the time it was all the unvaccinated had to get tested with these rapid antigen, again, experimental emergency use authorized tests. And so I was kind of going through that process and, um, and I, I made it clear that I wasn't going to participate with these and I have every right to not participate. And I was trying to redress that However, it came a point in time where I had to show up to perform my duties. I can't perform those duties sitting on my couch. I can't supervise um, and lead my soldiers sitting on my couch at home. I also had specific laboratory duties that I had to do in person. And I showed up to work without a mask and without being tested. And again, which according to the law, I had every right to do. Right. And... And the reason it's your right to do that is because under EUA, emergency use authorization, uh, it's an, it, that's considered experimental, meaning even if it's a mask, that is a, a mask is a medical device that needs to be fitted for you by a medical professional. And is your commander a medical professional that's licensed to practice medicine? No. No. And I don't think I've met any commanders that are. There's There may be one or two. But even then, so even if they were a licensed professional, they would have to be able to practice medicine and that would have to be their patient that they were practicing medicine on. Right. And what's important for people to understand is the, the liability. So the liability protections rest with the manufacturer, the distributor, the individual administering these products, um, except for the only individuals that don't get liability protections are the individuals who participate with these products. So um, specifically, these experimental emergency use authorized vaccines that were being forced down the throats of service members for the past year and a half, those are EUA products. And the, the risk of participating with those products, um, the, the individual takes that risk. And Everybody else up to that point is protected by liability uh, protections under USC uh, 42-247-Delta, which specifically says covered persons are protected from liability. If you look in that law and you read who's covered persons, it's the United States government, it's the manufacturer, it's uh, the distributor, it's the medical person who drabs your arm. So all these individuals who are having these adverse reactions, um, there is no recourse for uh, the issues they're having. And as a, as a medical professional, 
early on, I, I, I was looking at the VAERS data, I was seeing the information, and I was looking around like, why is nobody, why, why are all we hearing is safe and effective here? Right. First and off, yeah, so go ahead. effective, is that, did that ever strike you off as like, they shouldn't be using that word? It's not effective. It's, that's not the word they should be looking for. These are medical right. professionals. Right. Efficacious. Safe. Yes. Is it, is it efficacious? I, and it just baffled me because, and, and another thing I wanted to bring up was back in July of uh, 2020, at the time I was the company commander at APHC, and I was curious as to why the military wasn't, we're talking about this quote unquote deadly, dangerous disease that's ravaging the world. Why aren't we talking about these prophylaxis that we knew at the time were effective? And, and then I find out stories like yours where you get stripped of, of your roles as a, as a medical professional because you tried to, to issue out or, or tried to, tried to you know, get some of these products to, to individuals. Try to do my job. And one quick aside. Yeah, right. Um, right. There's, there's a preprint study, and it, it'll be printed soon, I'm sure, that says that 90% of the people in the United States that died of COVID would not have died of COVID if they were given prophylactic ivermectin. So it's a medication that's very, very inexpensive. It's safer than Tylenol. It is now over-the-counter in Tennessee, right. and I think it's New Hampshire. It's over-the-counter in some states. Yeah. Very few states, it needs to be over-the-counter in all states. But there is a, a military officer that banned the use of ivermectin at my military installation. That, that military officer is not a medical professional. They did not go to med school. They did not go to nurse practitioner school. They did not go to PA school. They lacked the, the educational capacity to understand what it means to ban a medication. If anyone has died at my duty station since that ban has gone into place, which was September 10th of COVID, I encourage the family members to reach out to me. That way we can have voluntary manslaughter charges brought against that military personnel for going above and beyond the capacity of their license and withholding life-saving medication from you, the patient. It's, yeah, it's absolutely incredible. It's just mind-blowing to me. And, and, and on top of that, we're talking about, for our service members specifically, we're talking about a disease with a 99.9% .9 survival rate. 99.96% survival rate. Right. And it's like, what are my risks? And, and at the time when I was company commander, I was like, my risks aren't COVID-19. My risks are mental health. My my risks are my service members' suicide. My risks are car accidents. My risks are literally everything but COVID-19. Allow your immune system to work. You know, support your immune system. Um, obviously, you can stay at home like we normally do when we're sick right and 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 carry on and um i knew from very early on that especially when i asked the question to the director of the army public health center saying hey is the dod looking into these prophylaxis for the for the use in the dod for our service members and immediately kind of got shut down i knew at that point in time they were they were going full board with this this vaccination uh campaign and um, and then it comes out, and it's like, 
wait a second, now we're going to mandate this upon service members. And then you have that letter from the SECDEF saying, you know, all service members are to get the FDA approved and licensed um, COVID-19 vaccination, which we know doesn't exist. And then the entire force just went went ahead and and coerced as many people as possible to get an experimental emergency use authorized product, which an individual has the absolute right to refuse. And then now we're seeing not only do we have, and we've had the entire time, the VAERS data, which is vaccine adverse event system reporting, which is the CDC's own database to show these signals of how dangerous and deadly these products are. And I would advise anybody, go take a look at that website. Go take a look at that website compared to the last 30 years. And then frontline doctors like yourself, Lieutenant Colonel Long, Lieutenant Colonel Pete Chambers, and, and some of these other doctors, military doctors coming forward and, and telling us what their experience is, what they're seeing. Um, and then we have the DMED data, the Defense Medical Epidemiological Database, which you're familiar with. Um, you've got a uh, whistleblower declaration. I've got a whistleblower declaration of the information and the data we were seeing back in January of um, of 2021 or 2022 this year of of the signals, and they were absolutely astonishing. And all of a sudden, they disappeared. But we still see signals as of um, I wanted to bring this up as of Sunday, this past Sunday. I went back on and and was looking and did a report on the vaccine adverse events that we're seeing. And it's 1,100% increase for 2021 versus the average of the last 25, 24 years. <clears throat> and it's like, at what point, at what point does somebody shut this program down, you know, and say enough's enough? It's interesting that you brought up the DMED data, as as most of the listeners, viewers uh, may or may not be aware. Um, I think most of them are aware at this point that you and I are both two of the four um, DMED whistleblower uh, DMED whistleblowers, and right. I'm going to put out another episode either before or after yours. I'm not sure when it's going to come out, uh, where I'm talking to this guy Matthew Crawford, and. What he says at first sounds like we're wrong, but I think what we did was we found the tip of the iceberg and we have no idea how gigantic this iceberg is. And it may very well be the largest lie that's been perpetuated to the U.S. people ever. And the entire database may be wrong, maybe a lie. Because, I mean, 1,100% increase, that sounds terrible. But in reality, it, the entire database may actually be fabricated and made up. And there may be nothing accurate to that, which, which lends even more to the danger of this. Because if you have to go in, wipe out an entire database, put in faulty information to cover up what you're doing, then what you're doing is wrong. It's akin to treason right. or possibly akin to treason. And it takes more than one person to do that, so that would be conspiracy to commit treason. Yeah, so I've said from the beginning when we saw those signals, so this documentation of those signals, than we ever the video evidence expected. of those signals, and screenshots of those signals, 
and then it went ahead and changed. It's not my job, your job, or a citizen of the United States job to figure out what happened with that database. It's a $30 million contract that the American people pay for. That's a $30 million contract. And when you have a sitting senator that inquires about that database and he gets ignored and That's shut down and not Huge responded problem. to, we've got a serious issue. I don't need to sit here and figure out and hypothesize what happened with that database. Right. There needs to be a forensic, forensic, um, you know, look at that specific database and figure out what the heck's going on. Right. And, um, and yeah, and that the was, biggest thing is that was incredible. We point out there was a huge problem with safety and, and we don't need to tell them what right. the problem is. We need to, the problem that we've brought forward is enough to say it should in a reasonable world, everyone should go halt, stop immediately, stop everything as this could be right. one of the most dangerous things we've done to our world, let alone our U.S. population, yeah. let right. alone the, the 1% that protects that U.S. population. Right. And um, yeah, so we have that data and it's, it's just another signal. And the fact right. is we're still seeing a signal. It still matches with the signals we're seeing everywhere else. And then also on top of that, what I find in, is interesting, and there's a database called um, uh, the Defense Casualty Analysis System. And this is open source. Anybody can go on this database. And I find it interesting that 2021 numbers are still not posted. And we're mm. in six, close to six months into, into 2022. 2021 numbers are not posted. I've reached out. I've asked questions. I've requested the information. Not available. And what I also find interesting is they used partial 2021 numbers in a congressional inquiry back in May of 2021. So if they could pull partial 2021 numbers in May of 2021, why aren't we seeing the numbers for 2021 now, right. six it's months been, into 2022? Do you happen it's been to far know, too long. Do you happen to know in the past how long it would take them to publish the previous year? Like, is this well outside I, of the normal? Or is this... I, I don't, but I can't imagine it's something um, as much, right? I can't imagine it would take this long. I mean, and I'm sure that's another multi-million dollar oh, yeah. asset that the American people are paying for. And if there's and any, the information's you know, not getting out. Internet sleuths out there, look up the people who who got these contracts and try and figure out if you can see if there's any connections to foreign entities, because that that's where the concern is. Because if if there's treason. Well, then what's the reason for the treason? Could it be a foreign enemy that is has a connection to this company that got the contract that is the the forward-looking eyes of the medical community? Because if you can poke those eyes out, then you can have some sort of, let's say, bioweapon obliterate the troops and no one would ever know because the medical eyes are poked out. Right. And so, yeah, it's interesting multi-million dollar contracts and very minimal oversight um and so yeah well, let's I also, get to I just, oh go ahead sam. yeah go ahead no go ahead sam okay well let's get to um the the court martial and you know we've talked about some of the, quite a few of the events leading up to that um let's so how did this go down yeah so um i so I, like I said, I filed the Article 138. 
immediately after I filed the 138 and I, and I didn't make it a secret. It was no secret. I, I let my commander know that, Hey, I've got duties to perform on site and, um, I supervise soldiers on site and, uh, and there was just a full blown knee jerk reaction after that to where they went full on and charging me with article 92 and then bringing it basically essentially to a court martial and then along the process threatening me with um a, a leavenworth packing list and um and so Which is I, prison I, if, if the listener's not sure leavenworth is where we we put away convicted felons that's right. prison for the that's the stockade if you will for the for the army and so yeah so i attended this court martial on april 28th and 29th and what we found was interesting was the judge prior to the court martial even starting he denied expert witnesses that we had lined up so we had expert witnesses lined up to talk about the masking to talk about the the testing uh and then my own testimony as a medical officer and so they the judge denied expert witnesses and they uh, denied allowing me to certify myself as an expert witness um however i ended up just speaking about speaking about the issues in general that i was trying to bring up prior to the court martial and um the emergency use to authorize products and uh and it was just clear that the judge prior to and this is just my opinion but it was to me, it seemed like prior to the court martial even starting, the judge already made up his mind on lawfulness. Because when you go to a court martial, the first thing that happens in this specific one was a thirty-nine, um, a thirty-nine alpha session, which is determining whether or not the orders that I received were lawful or not. And we were arguing that they're not lawful, and we know they're not lawful still to this day, because one of the required conditions for a person and these emergency use experimental authorized products is the right to accept or refuse that's a required condition in the law and the judge basically skipped over that and and ignored that part of the law and determined that these were lawful orders so at that point in time again i wasn't hiding the fact that i showed up without a mask and i showed up and I wasn't tested. So at that point in time, I was basically convicted. And so I, I still pled not guilty. Um, and we went along with the rest of the court martial. Right. Cause you weren't saying that, no, I wore it when I wasn't, no, you said, no, I didn't wear it. And the reason I did not wear it is because I have the legal right to not wear this. And as being a, an officer in the U S military, you have a duty to disobey lawful un, i'm sorry you have a duty to disobey unlawful orders right and i knew the risks that came with that and i knew i knew what i was getting myself into i knew that you know if i went through that with this i knew very well it could go to a court martial me getting convicted and and that's the risk i was willing to take why because my brothers and sisters in uniform this entire time have been being forced and coerced in terrible situations to get these experimental emergency use authorized vaccines 
uh, they've been damaged from them. Some have been killed from them. They've, um, and so I had a duty to, to speak out, to, to try to make it, you know, I was being ignored up to that point. Everything I was doing was falling on deaf ears. So at that point in time, I was like, all right, perfect. Now it's just going to allow me center stage to, to continuously warn my brothers and sisters that these, these experimental emergency use authorized products are dangerous and deadly. And I was like, all right, let's go. Which is exactly why I started this whole podcast to continue to encourage people that are out there alone to, to help our brothers and sisters understand that they don't need to follow unlawful orders. In fact, it's their duty to not follow lawful orders, to disobey them and to, to encourage them to, to disobey them. And also the, the gag order that I can't talk about this stuff during the duty day. And, um, I just, I can't abide by that as I see so much evil going on in the world and how they're soon about to, or maybe they already did, um, allow this for children. I think they're allowing Moderna now from like six or five or six to 17 years old, which is just heartbreaking, tragic. Do not take your children to go get this. Well, yeah, yesterday they just, uh, the FDA just approved for six months, six month old to, to whatever age to now be able to get this, this experimental treatment, like seriously, we will look and back it, at this time and we will see that this was Baal worship. hundred percent. As people are sacrificing their children to, to the God of the time. And the God of the time is, is quote science, which has nothing to do with science. Nothing. It's yeah. It's diabolical. It's just, and so, and even more so as an adult, if we don't stand and speak up and say something, who's going to stand for the children? Who? It, that's our duty as adults, right? Like that's our responsibility. Um, so not only am I trying to stand up for what's right and try to protect my brothers and sisters in uniform against these just radical medical risk communication strategies and policies and mandates, um, but the children. Because at the end of the day, it's all about the children. And that idea of standing in the gap and protecting those who can't protect themselves, it's very biblical to protect the, the widow, the orphan, and the elderly. And it's also that idea of the doctrine of lesser magistrates, which go back and check out my episode with Doc Chambers. And he discusses with me for about an hour the doctrine of lesser magistrates and how that's what we're called to do. And that's how our constitution is built. Anything not given to the U.S. government is specifically withheld and given to the states and the local municipalities. In the same manner also, anything not given to the government is given to us as people. And when the government doesn't do their job appropriately and follow the law, it's our job to remind them that they're not following the law in a, in a nonviolent manner, just as you and I right. are doing. Right. It's all our responsibilities. It, it doesn't matter who you are. Either, either they get their authority from God. And at the end of the day, either follow God's law or you don't. And, and when that time comes to where it, it, they're not, I mean, at this point in time, they're actively killing people, like by forcing people, coercing people to get these experimental injections. Well, we've got a serious problem. Um, yeah. And so going back to my court martial, the, 
so the judge ruled it a lawful order. And from that point in time, it was just um, going through the, with the rest of the court martial. So we went into pleadings, which I pled not guilty. And then we went into um, the hearing phase of having witnesses and what happened. And again, it went relatively quick because, again, I wasn't hiding the fact that I didn't wear a mask and wasn't testing. And then we went into sentencing. It Which, seems like, and these are my words here, I'm going to make it very clear, these are my words, and we're both military, and neither of our opinions exp uh, are those of the U.S. military. Uh, but it seems as if this started off as a kangaroo court, because if they came in already determined that that is a lawful order, then what is their, what is the trial looking at? Well, yeah, you're, it's a lawful order, that's the whole point, is you were trying to determine if this was a lawful or unlawful order. Right. And I, I actually kind of said that from the very beginning. I said, the moment I stepped into that court, the moment it was just, it, there was no credibility to it because there were so many options up to that point to dismiss this with our motion to dismiss based upon the law. So we, we never should have even got to that point. And the fact that I was sitting there in the court martial, I was just like, this is just, we're talking about a mask and a test here, experimental. And if like, I can edit this out later if you don't want me to put this question in there. Your trial defense attorney, there was something unique about that person, wasn't there? And ironic. Yeah, so, um, right. So I had, fortunately enough, I had um, two civilian lawyers, which were paid at my own expense, but fortunately enough, I want to give a shout out to Truth for Health Foundation organization, which I did receive a grant to help out with that. Um, and I was super blessed. Um, I filed an application and um, Dr. Lee Lee, who's doing amazing work, has amazing resources at her website, truthforhealthfoundation.org. Um, and it's not just for military, but just people in general, just to find out there's certain treatment protocols she has over there, but an absolute amazing resource. I had, I had some help there. So I had two civilian attorneys and then I had a, a military, um, attorney as well. And I, I, I've said this after the court martial, I feel like, I don't, I don't know what you call them, but the, the drawings in a, in a, uh, in a courtroom, it almost looks like a, a cartoon drawing of sorts. Yeah. I or I don't know and if also those like combat drawings where, where they have like, you know, I'm sure most of us have seen like the picture of the little bird at Mogadishu and there's all these Delta guys hanging off the side of it. Like that same idea too. I think they're, we'd love to, if any listener or viewer can, can draw like that, um, please reach out to me and I'll get you in touch with Mark Bashaw. Right. Cause I feel like being able to depict the, the defense table. So my side, which was two civilian, myself and a military, would just really capture the time period well. And the reason why I say that is because um, my military lawyer sat there the entire time with two masks on. And that's her right to do so, right? She has that choice. And I'm not, and I wasn't gonna, you know, badger her or, or say, why are you wearing that? Like, no, that's yeah. her absolute right. That's her she choice to wear those masks. That's how this country um, works. I, I don't, think it was a, a good thing for health or anything like that. And I think it disrupted the, the oxygen intake because at times it, it looked like she was falling asleep at, at, at the desk. But 
that's you know that's absolutely her right to do so um so if anybody could draw defense, that picture i think it to her defense that could be her normal baseline as i i have a sleepy disorder and that used to be me so sticking up right yeah no absolutely absolutely and and like i said that's her right to do um and wear those experimental emergency use authorized products right. um and so i i just think that captures the time period well because you've got an individual who's getting court-martialed for not wearing a mask and not participating in these experimental products uh and his own trial defense was wearing a mask double mask and uh so that i mean if anybody can draw that picture that'd be that'd be outstanding yeah and that'd be um, that'd be amazing if, if there's any listeners viewers out there that that are capable of doing that because i think both of us lack the, the artistic capability to do that but but, but on a yeah, on a serious note keep going and on a serious note going forward so that so we go into sentencing and um i had some character witnesses come out um and the judge basically came out after and well let me let me backtrack the prosecution came out and they wanted to they wanted to recommend they recommended uh, a, a go more and they recommended $25,000 forfeiture pay and the the judge came out and said no additional punishment beyond the conviction and then he went one further and recommended to the general, uh, the, the GCMCA, which is the general court martial uh, or, or the general convening authority, which is the general officer, the commanding general, to drop the charges, drop the conviction entirely, which kind so, of threw us all for a loop. Let me, let me, let me make sure I get, understand this right. You were convicted you were given no punishment other than what you already served, which spending more time at home, questionable if that's an actual punishment. And then right. recommendations to have that conviction removed by the convening authority, the general who's who oversight. Exactly. So it would which, seem as if, if you put all that together, that this judge, and this is, this is my speculation, this is no one else's thoughts, but this seems to be my speculation if you look at the facts. It's... He was convicted because maybe you had to be. However, the judge may have felt bad about actually giving you a punishment and then even felt bad about you having this conviction on your record. Because if the judge were to say that this were an unlawful order, then the entire house of cards for the entire DOD would come collapsing down on top of that judge. And there would be other trials that could lead to death penalty for giving unlawful orders that lead, have led to soldiers' death. Right. I think, right. In my opinion, I, I just don't think he was willing to, to do that, to say it's unlawful. But the problem is, it's so blatantly obvious that it's unlawful, that you can't, you can't, you can't kind of skirt that. And even in the, and people can FOIA this information, there, there's testimony or the, the, the court martial was recorded with audio. So you can listen to the judge's uh, determination on lawfulness and it completely skips over the required conditions by law is the right for an individual to accept or refuse 
um, because, and the reason why is because the manufacturers have, and everybody else in that line, in that chain, have liability protections, except for the individual who participates with these products. And that is so important for people to understand. That is the why we have the absolute right and, and the absolute right to accept or refuse. And this law, which I'm stating, I'm, I'm, it's USC 21, um, 360, triple bravo, dash three, comes out of, primarily comes out of, and was created from the Nuremberg Code, right? So we all know what happened there. And... That's why we have it. And it, it doesn't just protect service members, it protects everyone. And, and the American people, they have God-given natural rights. But, um, you know, if, if their employers go down that road and try to force experimental use products on somebody, I mean, they also have recourse and God-given rights to stand on and also specific federal statute laws that prohibit that from happening. And to kind of further your point also, and I've mentioned this in some other places, but, excuse me, but there was a case in France where a man died after receiving one of the shots and his family tried to get tried to get life insurance, tried to collect a life insurance policy, and it ended up going to court. And the court ruled that he basically committed suicide because he entered into a dangerous ex experiment as if he were jumping out of a plane. And so there was no life insurance policy that, that was, was given to the family because it's as if he committed suicide because he voluntarily entered this dangerous medical protocol. Now, Right. I'm surprised that there's any insurances, medical insurances that are covering any side effects. And I would not be surprised if in the, in the near future we start seeing medical insurance companies saying, no, I'm not going to cover that. That was an experiment that you entered and we had nothing to do with you entering that experiment and we're not going to cover it because they can do what they want in that sense. And I would not be surprised at all if right. things like SGLI or other life insurance policies would not be covered if if a service member or if any person dies um, to help cover the cost, to defray the cost of the death, right? Because life insurance helps bury me if I die. And it also helps my family get along without me uh, monetarily for, for a short period of time until they can figure it out. And we expect those not to pay out also. Right. Right. Crazy. So where Crazy are you now? What, what is your situation now? So where it stands now is because there was no additional punishment determined by the the judge on the court martial, my record was to be unflagged and I was to be promoted immediately to captain. However, uh, last week um, I had a counseling session with my commander. My commander did in fact unflag my record from the court martial only to flag my record yet again for adverse action, stating that the chain of command and leadership has lost trust in my capabilities as an officer, which, um, and, and talked about some actions. And I, I need clarification as to what actions those were, um, what, are, what specifically they're trying to involuntarily separate me because 
as a probationary officer. So I've been in the military 16 years. I served as a, a senior NCO in the Air Force and then transferred direct commission to the Army. And I've only been an officer in the Army for two and a half years. And so that's considered a quote unquote probationary officer. So technically, I don't have the right to a board of inquiry. From my understanding, they can just separate me administratively, involuntary from service and move me along my way. So that's what I believe they're trying to do. I'm still waiting to find out the details on that. I did file another Article 138 complaint uh, for for re retaliation, right? Um, I'm a named whistleblower with Senator Ron Johnson's office. Um, the very reason I got court-martialed or any of this has happened to me is for the same reason I've been speaking out about these dangerous and deadly products and the reason why I'm a named whistleblower, the reason why we have, you know, alarming signals in DMED, the reason why we have signals in VAERS, the reason why uh, frontline doctors are saying, hey, we have a problem is the is the reason why I'm getting retaliated against because I tried speaking out against that, the, the safe and effective narrative because these products are not safe and they're not efficacious. They're dangerous and deadly and people are dying. Yeah, and to kind of further that idea, I recently interviewed Davis Yuntz and he was the lawyer for, for Bill Mosley. Bill Mosley went is a is a lieutenant in the Navy. Similar, you know, previously enlisted became an officer. And this board of inquiry was trying to see if he should stay in the Navy or not. And they determined, and this was not a legal proceeding, although I believe one of the, the, the senior officers on the board, I believe he may have been JAG or a judge. I, I may be wrong on that. Um, but they determined that he did not, they determined it was a unlawful order and they retained him. They kept him in the Navy because he did not follow an unlawful order, which is perfectly fine. You should not. And it's your duty to not follow unlawful orders which kicks the door right. open on Nuremberg trials in the future. Right. And what was interesting about that situation and from, from uh, Lieutenant Mosley's testimony, he said, you know, the, the board, the head board member, which was a captain in the Navy after that was rather upset in the fact that he got led down a road thinking um, what he was pushing upon his service members as a commander was good to go only to find out that it wasn't. And so he was rather um, perplexed by the entire situation. And yeah, it's just crazy. So also another thing I want to draw attention to is during this whole process, the army thought you were, were highly skilled that they wanted to promote you during this entire time? Yeah, so I, I got promoted to captain. And then I got, I even, even when my record was flagged from, uh, so my record got flagged on December 1st, 2021. And on February 9th, 2022, I received a letter from the three star general at uh, the, the medical services corps three star general congratulating me on my promotion to captain. Um, which I still have yet to receive. I mean, 
I don't, at this point, I don't, I don't really have any expectations in that regard, but yeah, I got promoted during the entire process. And um, hopefully you can share some of these pictures, but I, I believe you also um, gave the oath of re-enlistment to, to one person, is that right? Yeah, so throughout the process, um, soldiers in my unit uh, reached out and would request that I do their re-enlistment ceremonies. And part of that is administering the oath of enlistment to these individuals, and I honorably obliged. And one of them was at the, the Washington Monument, and then the other one, an individual picked the Lincoln Memorial to do uh, his re-enlistment. And, um, and they took a video and it, it was an amazing ceremony and, um, we honored our, you know, our duty to the constitution and what we do and it's everything we stand for. And it's just a, a really important moment for an individual in their service. And it was an honor to do. Yeah. It's a huge honor to be asked to give an enlistment, uh, oath. And, and for that to happen while you're not allowed to go to work, while you've had your, your certifications revoked, you've had your clearance revoked, you're not allowed to, to go on post. And here people are asking this, this alleged outlaw to, to re-enlist them, I think is just Con a testimony to who you are. Convict now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry that, that you are convict actually now. a convict now because you have been convicted convict. In, a, in a military court, which is... Uh, I'm, I'm just so thankful to God that you weren't put in prison and taken away from your family. Yeah, and that's something I discussed with my wife, too, is uh, that possibility. And I told her, I said, you know, um, she's military as well. And we've served time in various different areas across the world um, separately. So, you know, at one point she was gone for eight months and I you know, watched our two little kids overseas at the time. And um, that's just what we do. And so I just, I just let her know, like, hey, um, apparently with the packing list to Leavenworth, prison time is an option. So let's just, uh, let's just pretend it's a deployment. To do the right thing to get thrown in prison. Yeah, it's baffling. It's baffling. And for all the people out there that are afraid to lose their retirement, because what am I going to do? What am I going to do? You, sir, have, have right. put it all on the line. I mean, you, I, I look up to you and, and you're a shining example. Because if I lose my license, yeah, it sucks. I'm still with my family every night. And and you you trusted God and and you were put into that fire and you discover there's another in that fire. There's a song that, that just has been touching my heart so often through this, is there's another in the fire where it talks about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they did not know that they would survive that fire, but it was better for them to burn to death and be with God than it would be to, to worship a, a false idol and to stay alive. And you, sir, are the epitome that's, of that. That's absolutely right, and that's, that's who I work for. I work for God. I, that's, that's my mission. And I put on the full armor of God every single day. And I try to do his will, my imperfectly best human way of doing so his will, not mine. And, um, and one last point I want to, I want to bring up and, uh, my friend Liv brought this up this morning 
uh, a point of consideration. If uh, defending the Constitution isn't a priority, the foundation, which is the foundation of our duty, right? There's a problem. So if, 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 that, if that isn't the priority, defending the Constitution, which is our sole duty as officers and enlisted service members in the military, then there's a problem. And at the end of the day, it's my God, my country, my family, and I will, I will literally sacrifice everything I have to warn service members that these products are dangerous and deadly. Thank you. Is there a place where we can get more from you if we want? We can hear from you, read from you, see videos of you. No, but um, I might pop my head up in various different places, but I don't have a specific uh, website or social okay. media. Or to follow uh, in the future, already. perhaps, hopefully. Maybe, maybe. We'll see. We'll okay. see what happens. But uh, right now, I'm just going to focus on service and yeah. um, continued service until um, God shows uh, or opens a different door, and then I'll walk through that door. Well, Mark, it's been an absolute honor to be able to talk with you, uh, a man who, who is the epitome of, of personal courage. And I will be praying for you. My family will be praying for you. And I'm, I'm certain, I'm very certain, many of the listeners and viewers will be praying for you as well. I appreciate you having me, Sam. I really do. God bless you. God bless your family. And thank you so much for what you're doing. Thank you.